Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Pipeline Superheroes podcast, where we interview the best go-to-market brains behind some of the most interesting SaaS brands. Today, we have Eddie and Sarah, CEO and founder of It's My URLs. Eddie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Grant. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, Eddie has his own podcast about uh, his grandfather and, or his father and more of a narrative podcast. Today, we're going to get into the, the business of it all. Um, let's start with, uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your podcast and the inspiration there, and then maybe we can move into the inspiration for It's My URLs. But, you know, it, it's a podcast. We might as well talk about another podcast. <laughs> Thanks for asking about that. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a podcast about my grandfather, uh, my mother's father. He was a special agent in the IRS in the 1950s and 60s, and um, he was tasked after going after uh racketeers and and you know underground underworld people that did not want to pay their taxes uh and he ended up uncovering some bribery in the eisenhower administration so it's a really interesting wow. story and he got pressured to leave the irs by bobby kennedy because he was getting too close for comfort and uh there's a great story there in some americana and uh boston and mafia and irs and, and so it's a uh, it's a great story, and we hope to have that out within the next few months. We've got the pilot episode in post-production, and we're working with uh, some potential partners on that. So Awesome. Really interesting stuff. It sounds like an Oliver Stone movie to a certain extent, and I mean yeah. that as a compliment. Um <laughs> Cool. Well, so if that, you know, if you don't, if you don't get picked up by Warner Brothers there and you have to keep the day job, uh, tell us about it's your, it's my URLs. Yeah. So it's my URLs was a company that we started. It, it's been quite a while now, especially in the internet space and the SaaS space. So uh, we got the concept back in 2009 and we launched in 2010. So just to give you listeners a little bit of uh, history there, the app store for the iPhone launched in 2008. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, very early, but and what about uh, Instagram? Instagram 2009, 2010? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think they launched around them, but they didn't start getting popular until a little bit later. Um, they yeah. actually, they had a launch and it kind of flopped at the beginning and then they, mm -hmm. they relaunched um, at 2011, 2012, and they really, mm -hmm. you know, they took off from there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But It's My URLs was the first LinkedIn bio company. So the first social profile aggregator uh, where, there's there's plenty of companies out there now that have copied and you know are you know we've kind of opened up the space but you have one link that takes people to all of your social profiles and contact points so that's uh, in simple terms what it what it is and what it was so uh, the internet has evolved a lot since then but uh yeah we've been growing growing steadily over the years and uh at the beginning it was tough I, I mean we can get into the story but uh yeah 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 let's get into the story i mean it sounds like you might have been a little early, if anything, when you first started the business, which can be really frustrating for an entrepreneur because they uh, necessarily maybe think that they don't have PMF when, and then, you know, years later, they see their idea, their company or their, their product rather uh, blow up and that must be frustrating. But now it seems like, you know, you have a foothold when like everybody seems to have a link in their bio initially. So we'd love to hear about the journey and how you saw it evolve. Yeah, that's that's a great point that 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 PMF was sort of uh, we were second guessing ourselves a little bit because we were so early. It's like, do we really have something here? But um, I'll get into that. So I born and raised in Boston, had uh, a friend here. You know, you, 
I'm sure a lot of you listeners too, you have a bunch of friends, you always throw ideas off them and we would always mm-hmm. come up with some wacky ideas and say, hey, let's turn this one into a company or that's good, that's not good. So we can't, I came up with this idea after I visited my friend who recently moved to Los Angeles. We went out one night and uh, a friend of ours was performing. He's a musician at a nightclub and I received a business card from someone else there and he was another artist. And he said, Eddie, can you listen to my music when you get a chance? I said, sure, no problem. And I looked down at the business card. I just remember it so long ago, but uh, I looked at the business card and I saw all these social media icons on it. And it was just overwhelming. I didn't know which ones to go to. And I started thinking about the problems associated with that. And I said, what if he joins a new service next week? He's going to have to print new business cards. What if he leaves one? You know, he's, he's, there's going to be some dead links. And I said to my my friend who became my business partner, and it's my URLs just in passing, I said, what if there was one link that people could go to that he could always update and you could always find his evolving online presence. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. he, he said, Oh, that's a good idea. And the next morning he actually said, Eddie, I've been thinking about that idea. That's a great idea. Let's see if we can do something with it. And I almost missed my flight back to Boston because we were so excited. We called a technical um, friend of ours who became a co-founder and he started building the MVP. And I said, let's just build it Craigslist style. I just want a bunch of links. It doesn't have to look great. Let's just see if, if it'll work. And uh, we built it and we tried to get users and it was just hard people, you know, explaining, like you said, we were early. So explaining what we were doing to most people, they didn't get it. Um, they said, why do I need that? I, I'm, you know, I have no idea why I would need it. And especially to investors early on investors, that was, that was frustrating because we knew we had something. We started getting some traction. We got, uh, we got a few celebrities on board. That's really what, what blew us up at the beginning was to get some some scale. Um, we got a couple of celebrities on board, then they got their friends on board, and it just kept, you know, it was like a, a like a rocket ship. Um, we had a lot of problems associated with that growth as well, but scaling scaling on the server side was was a real pain in the neck. Uh, mm-hmm. But we realized we had something at that point, especially even even if it was just with the celebrities, their fans would click on the links, and then they would we'd get a you know, percentage that would sign up and then a percentage that would upgrade. So typical sales funnel. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how we started. And uh, we, we realized we had something. So mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Um, so to folks like that, maybe uh, our perspective, like clients of, of uh, a URL or a link in bio, like, how do how do you decide that you need one if you're a client? Like, what's the customer journey for that? Because I would imagine a lot of it is sort of viral, and that you see somebody you respect or you follow in a social media habit. But like, when what do you think is sort of the tipping point that somebody really needs one? Yeah, I think when you, when you see others that have one, um, you know, most people that are online, the average is you have about seven to eight social profiles. So that doesn't matter what world you're in, what your profession is. If you're online and you have at least one profile. You're going to have on average seven to eight. So, um, it, and how do you manage all those? How do you get people to follow you and find you on all those? So it's a tool that once you see it and you know it exists, uh, it's a no-brainer for you to sign up. So uh, recently, as of recent, I'd say within the past six months, Instagram has adopted this. Actually, uh, they have their own sort of linked bio feature. Where before, up until this point, up until six months ago, you'd have to add one. You could only add one link in your bio, and you could only go to one destination. 
So that was a real problem for businesses and for these uh, influencers who are promoting products, this and that. You can only send them to one place. You want to give your followers a choice. Let them connect with you where they feel comfortable. Let them find your products where they want to find them. Um, so to, to give them that choice is key. And now, now Instagram has actually created their own link and bio product where if you click on the link in bio and someone has multiple, it just shows you the rest of their links there. So we can get into it later, but uh, all these big social media companies see, see a lot of value in what we're doing and they're copying it, they're adopting it, which is great. So now we've been thinking about the next evolution of that and that's we'll get into that later. But uh, once, once you see something like this, managing your online presence is, is really a no-brainer. If you're online, you got all these links. How do you get people to all of them? Let's just use the easy solution where they just click on one place. And I only have to update my profiles in one place. I don't have to update each one of them and say, hey, follow me here. Follow me there. I'm on Snapchat. I'm on TikTok. I'm on, you know, you don't have to do that with this kind of product. It sells itself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Really interesting stuff. And I would love to get into some of the vision as well. Uh, curious what your go-to-market has been so far, what you've found it is effective. Are you treating this really like a consumer product or have you tried more of a B2B play at a certain point? So for the first five, six years, it's been a it was a consumer product, strictly a consumer product, because that's where we saw the growth um, and the best bang for our buck. Because like I said, we had problems at the beginning getting investors to understand the vision and understand the need. So we had to figure out ways to scale and grow, like I said, for the best bang for our buck. And that was on the consumer side um for for usage at least not for revenue so that's a different story and you'll see that there are a lot of companies like it's my urls out there right now and they're struggling to figure out the revenue model uh, the revenue is on the b2b side so if to grow and brand awareness the consumer side so it's sort of a, a double-headed spear with this kind of a product you need to have both you can't just have one um so yeah uh that that's sort of the end and some of the, when when we go to market, well, when we went to market originally and, and even to this day, the thing that we figured out that really resonates is authenticity. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can you can do your ads, you can do your PPC, you can do all that stuff, and that's great. You need to do it. Everyone needs to do that sort of inbound stuff. But what we found that really sets us apart from others has been the authenticity factor. So what I mean is at the beginning when we first uh, started our service, Everyone that signed up and added their Twitter link to their It's My URLs profile, we would search them out on Twitter and say, hey, welcome to It's My URLs, send them a nice welcome message. And then they would retweet that and say, oh, thanks, I'm so happy to join this service. And it's just free advertising and the authenticity just goes a long way. So even re you're reaching out to people, um, whether it's even face-to-face, -face. I know a lot of people don't, don't think of that these days, but if you go to shows, if you go to expos where the business people are that would use a product like this or other ones for the consumer related, you do a face-to-face -face and you talk to them. The authenticity makes, makes a big difference. So I think a lot of companies lack that these days. They just want to sort of run their campaigns and, and get people to the site and let it, let it do its work. But authenticity is really the key that separates you in this kind of space. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. And I think that especially in the SaaS space, people can lose that, like sort of losing the forest for the trees. And that a lot of folks try to create the best go-to-market strategy or the best potential products that they can 
when what people really want to do is they want to buy from people, they want to engage with people, even when they're dealing with the product. Um, you know, that not that's not to say that you should get rid of your self-service signup page. But at the same time, like I think that extra step goes a long way and it just feels like you have someone there. And you know, I'm I'm sure that speaks wonders for your customer retention as well. Um, but curious, like you mentioned that B2B is where the revenue is, and that's been part of the go-to-market. How does that work? Like what kind of companies are buying that? What's the buyer? Really curious how that goes, because it's on the surface, just a, a consumer play. Yeah. Uh, well, just to back up one second, I think with the uh, with the authenticity aspect, I think you're doing that with this podcast right here for your mm-hmm. company. So that's Thank you. Uh, just, just to relate that this will go a lot further than some of the other things uh, separate you from, from competitors. But um, yeah, I would say, so on the B2B side, what, what we offer is enhanced analytics. So you can see just a couple of things, enhanced analytics, where you can see where your customers are interested to connect with you on. So if you're a brand, uh, Burger King, something like that, uh, and you've got a list of your links and you put this, this sort of, it's my URLs link in your social media bios, you can gauge where people are interested on, uh, and want to connect with you. So if you find out that 60% of your traffic ends up go, choosing to go to your Instagram profile. That's where you know you want to spend your time, your energy, your dollars is with your Instagram, 60% of it at least, or whatever whatever your break, you know, breakdown is. So that's one way is enhanced analytics. And we provide a bunch of different metrics to, to you, demographic data, things like that. Um, and we also have this QR code feature. We haven't gotten into that yet, but uh, we were the first social media company to have a QR code that when people scanned it would go to your social profile. So yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, and we also were the first ones to allow you to put your brand image inside of the QR code. So we used to charge for that. Now it's, it's a free option, but we used to charge for that because we used to have to manually design them ourselves. And uh, we had designers on the back end incorporating your logo inside of the QR code and testing it to make sure it's still scannable. Nowadays, there are automated processes to do that. But um, back then, that was that was one of the key revenue drivers for us. But like, you know, we have customizable features that you can do. But uh, really, the B2B stuff, the, the stuff that I'm excited about is with our new product that we'll be launching in about six months. Um, we've got some great feedback on that. But for, up until this point, it's been a sort of a subscription thing. We have three different tiers. Um, you know, it's it's depending on how many people um, you want to look at that data. We we charge you for mm-hmm. that, and yeah. To, to ask you a random question, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you know a lot more about this than the average bear. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, like I knew what a QR code was before COVID, but I wasn't familiar with the use cases of it. I never wanted to use it. Then it was every menu, of course. Um, you know, a small price to pay for myself, not saying I'm complaining, <laughs> but how did we end up on the way that the QR code looks with like this square and like the way, like I understand like the basic understanding, like the, what a barcode and a laser reads it, but how do we end up with that? Or is it sort of just random, like, you know, like history's little accident? Well, it's, it's a company that was created by Toyota. So, <laughs> so sort of on the auto, manu- auto manufacturing plant. Yeah, they didn't really care yeah. about the design of it. So, uh, nice. and it's, Who would have yeah, known? yeah, it was originally created by Toyota and they open sourced it. So you really can't have any patent or IP stuff, IP protection. That's why we really couldn't do much with the designing of the QR codes. Uh, when we were, we were the first ones to do that, but we couldn't protect it because it was all open sourced. 
So. Oh, so you couldn't patent the idea of having a brand. Oh man, what a bummer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating. And does so does Toyota still have that patent? Yeah, they still have it. Still open. Yeah, it's open sourced. Yep, yep. And wow. now nowadays you see them everywhere. We, I mean, initially again, it's we were a little bit too early. Our ideas are, are always a little bit too early, uh, but we've we fine tuned that. But we're always a little bit. So we we had conversations with the NBA and different sports organizations on, to put them on TV, an easy way to connect with the players. They didn't understand it. And this, I'm yeah, talking, yeah, this was like yeah. 2013, 2014. But like you said, uh, the user behavior was a key with that one. The user behavior wasn't there. They didn't know what to do. And after COVID, the whole menu thing was actually, believe it or not, that was the game changer. The people understood. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, I believe and, it. Yeah. Yeah. Taught them how to use them. So, yeah. Wow. I'm just putting that in the show notes why QR codes look the way they do. That's fascinating. Um, yeah, but also would love to to jump into some stuff that we sort of teased earlier on in the podcast of the vision, like what's next for it's my URLs, where are you going? Because it seems like you're the sort of person, and it sounds like you have a co-founder as well, that you're always thinking of new ideas and taking the company in a new direction. So I'd love to hear about that as well. Yeah, it's it, you know it's been a, it's been a grind until this you know for for a long time. It's been a, it's been a grind with it's my URLs again on the consumer side trying to find the revenues. We figured it. You know, we found it on the B2B side, which is great, but our service was built on old architecture um, because it's from, you know, we've kept building a layer on top of layers since 2010. So it's really hard to untangle that and sort of uh, change the whole infrastructure. So what we've done in the past year and a half is we've really paid attention to our users, the use cases, the B2B side and the B2C side, and we've been building um, the next generation Lincoln bio service. It's uh, yeah, it should be, should be launched in about six months, but it's sort of an extension of its URLs. And we're very excited about it. Like I said, it's been in development and stealth for about a year and a half. Uh, we haven't taken our eye off its URLs, but we're going to integrate everyone over into that new service once it's ready. But it's, it's, it's not just a simple Lincoln bio service. So back in the day, back in 2009, 2010, when the app store just came out, Everything was about links. There was no apps. They, like I said, mm-hmm, the app store mm-hmm. just came out. So to get to your profiles, it's all about links. And that's why you see it's my URLs, the URL name and all the other companies, LinkedIn bio, link this, link that. To us, that's that's a little bit outdated at this point. It's not about your links anymore. It's about something much deeper than that. It's about your digital presence. And it's, you know, that's what our new service is about. And we allow you to connect this little community aspect to it. And not just let people know where to find you. Uh, we let you stay engaged with them. They let we let them stay engaged with you. And you know, we we feel like your online presence is always evolving. So it's something that if people are interested in you, in you, then they want to be kept. They want to keep up with your evolution online. So mm-hmm. there there hasn't been a good solution to that. And we think that sort of that's an extension to the current link link in bio um, space. And we think that'll be where it goes the next five ten years. So, wow, wow. Yeah. Really, yeah. really interesting stuff. And I'd say that, you know, as a hammer looking for a nail, as a B2B advertiser, um, as digital channels evolve, people engage in new social media channels. You know, I'm sure advertisers, brands, anyone that, you know, spends money on marketing wants to know where people are spending their time. How are people finding individuals? Because, you know, it, it feels so much more distributed in that, you know, like, uh, I had someone on the podcast recently that's big into the influencer economy and just like, how do we, you know, engage with folks and how do they determine 
what's cool and how do we track attribution of all those things? And, you know, it starts with links. Um, Eddie, thank you yep. so much for joining today. Is there anything else you'd like to request from our audience? Any asks or gives? No, I'd, I'd say just um, you can hit my link in bio. So it's myurls.com forward slash Eddie, uh, E-D-D-Y and connect with me. If, if you want to know about this new service that we're launching, I'd love to, uh, cool. yeah. you know, just reach out to me. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Eddie. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate